Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles. Chapter 9. Here's Pastor Ryan. Good evening. It's pretty cool tonight, huh? Alright, it's about time. Turn with me in your Bibles this evening, please, to 2 Chronicles chapter 9. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 9. And give me an amen once you are there. The last few days... Um, uh, my wife and I and Pastor David were over at the pastor's conference at uh, Calvary Chapel Golden Springs and uh, we were thoroughly blessed and I feel thoroughly uh, fed and encouraged and strengthened. It had been a long time it seemed and so um, we just got back and uh, it ended this morning but it was a great time. It was a really great time of fellowship and and uh, learning from the Word of God. And so we're all there? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy, your love, and your grace that's new every day. We are so grateful that we have you to seek every morning, every afternoon, throughout our whole day. And you're there. You never leave us, Lord. And right now, as we study your word, Father, may you open our eyes. And may you remove from us any sin, Lord, in our hearts. Anything that isn't of you, forgive us and cleanse us by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, fill this place with your presence, with your grace, with your love. Holy Spirit, overflow, baptize us. And have your way with us as we study. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. All right, so in Second Chronicles chapter 9, uh, we're right in the middle of it. Chapter, uh, verse 13 is where we're going to begin, but we're right smack in the middle of it. And, and, and the chronicler, the writer, is detailing uh, Solomon, King Solomon's great wealth, his wisdom, and his power, and then ultimately his death, and then we're going to move on to his son afterwards. Um, but uh, Solomon, King Solomon, would surpass all the kings uh, of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And all the kings of the earth would seek his counsel, uh, his presence, to get wisdom from him, um, from that, that wisdom that God put in his heart. And so we're right in the middle of, of the wealth that he has, he has gathered. It says here in verse 13, the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Uh, that would be 25 tons, folks, of gold uh, every year, or 50,000 pounds. And this did not include taxes that he would receive from uh, the, the traders and the the merchants that would uh, have to pay taxes and a toll uh, to uh, pass through Israel. And so that's uh, 666 talents of gold, besides what the traveling merchants and traders 
uh, brought. And all the kings of Arabia and governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. And King Solomon made 200 large uh, shields of hammered gold. Uh, 600 shekels of hammered gold went into each shield. And that would be seven and a half pounds each shekel times 600. And so these were pretty solid gold uh, large shields, 200 of them. And then he also, in verse 16, it says that he made 300 shields of, of hammered gold, smaller ones, 300 shekels of gold when, went into each uh, shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. I love just the name of that. It's the, the house of the forest of Lebanon. And uh, commentators believe that it must have been a public... Uh, uh, type of uh, uh, storeroom uh, that would have been viewable uh, by the public. And so in this, uh, this uh, storeroom, this uh, house of the forest of Lebanon, probably called that because it was mostly made of cedar, the cedar trees of Lebanon. So it must have been beautiful, but it was something that, that the public could view these amazing golden shields. And... Uh, you know, I can't help but think about, you know, these shields and what they represent, you know, and, and uh, no doubt for the believer, our shield is God. And, and Solomon, who started off well, uh, you know, his trust was in the Lord. And these shields would represent the fact that God was Israel's shield. And if you think about shields, what do they represent? They represent covering from danger. They represent protection from danger. They represent security from assault or from injury. And so it would have been nice to walk by this palace of the forest of Lebanon and just to, to see those there and be reminded that God is my shield. We are told in Psalm 18, verse 30, that Psalm 18, verse 30, write it down. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. And that is the benefit of a believer in Jesus Christ. To know that God is your protector. He is your shield. Your shield from danger. He is a shield to protect. He is a shield to secure you, secure you from assault and from injury. God is our shield. That is his promise to us. We're told in Ephesians chapter 16, when it talks about the full armor of God and how we're to put it on daily, it says concerning the shield in Ephesians 6, 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And we were just told in Psalm 18 that he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. And trusting the Lord means to put your faith in him, that you have a real a solid, a trusting uh, faith in God, that God watches you. God loves you. He protects you. He is your shield. And that, that is, we do that by faith. He promises it. He says it. I'm your shield. But then he calls us 
to put our, act, our faith into action and to actually trust them. To have that confidence that, you know, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper because God is my shield. But oftentimes because of life and, and hard days and hard nights and spiritual warfare and the things that we go through, our faith gets rattled. It gets tested. And they say that a faith that isn't tested isn't real faith. And so our faith gets tested and our belief in that shield that God is our shield, can wane. So how do we strengthen our faith? Well, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, you know what Paul says, that faith comes by hearing, and that by the word of God. If your faith is little this evening, if you feel like the enemy is closing in on your life, or the pressures of this world are just too heavy for you, get into God's word. You've come to a good place where you're going to get the Word of God. And the Word of God inspires faith in all of us. It builds it. It grows it. And, uh, and uh, we're just told that He is that shield. He is that shield for us. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 7, that's Proverbs 2, verse 7, it says that He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. So God is our shield and we must trust in him in order to realize really that, that defense that he gives, that shielding. But also we can be more um, confident in that fact as we obey his word and we walk uprightly. It says in Proverbs 2, 7 that, that he gives sound wisdom for the upright and, or he, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright and that he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. So I shouldn't really, you know, believe that God's going to defend me from, you know, spiritual warfare or traps if I'm not living in obedience to him. Right? We shouldn't expect him to bless our life when we disobey him. But oh, when we come to him in prayer and, and say, Lord, you know, I, we repent, I repent, help me, forgive me. I'm walking with you now. You can be assured that he's going to protect you from all harm. Amen? Moreover, verse 17, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps with a footstool of gold, which were fastened to the throne. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrest. Right? That must have looked gnarly. So on the Solomon's throne, he had his armrest, and then he had a lion next to one and another lion on, on the other side. Super cool. And then, uh, and then he, there were 12 lions that stood there, one on each side of the six steps. And nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. And so the writer is just letting us know there's, there had been nothing like this in any other kingdom where these beautiful six steps of gold had you know, six lions on each side, 12 altogether, plus the two, one on each side of the armrest. And these lions represented just, just you know, they keeping watch over the king. Oh, we are told 
beloved brothers and sisters in Revelation 5, that, oh, weep not, for behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. Jesus, our Lord, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And we are told, just like these lions are watching over the throne room, that God watches over you and I. He's not just the shield of defense for us, but he also watches over you, watches over me. The psalm of our church, Psalm 121, you know, it tells us that, uh, Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper, right? He doesn't fall asleep. He doesn't slumber like some of you guys do when you drive. I know I do, Lord, help me. <laughs> wake up. My family always tells me, wake up. I'm like, oh. But like uh, Daniel told me that the conditions are perfect for a nap in the car. Especially when you're on the freeway and there's not a lot of cars and you're just cruising and it's... <laughs> soft music conditions are too good god doesn't slumber he doesn't sleep he he watches over you lovingly caringly and he's so interested in what goes on in your life he watches he hears your heartbeat your emotions your needs your cares your dreams your wishes for the future your desire to be more godly, all of those things, like he's, his eye is on us. He keeps us. He watches over you. So talk to him. Say hello. Get to know him. Strengthen your relationship with him. Know for a fact that, that you can talk to the Lord any time of night. Any time. He's there for you. He's there for me. And then in verse 20, all... all King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. And all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. Man, there was, there was so much gold that like silver was like nothing. It was like rocks. For the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came, bringing gold, silver, and ivory, and apes, and monkeys. That must have been fun to have monkeys running around. So the king, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and in, in wisdom. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments and armor and spices and horses and mules at a set rate year by year by year. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. So he reigned over all the kings from the river to the land of the Philistines, as far as the border of Egypt. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. 
And they brought horses to Solomon from Egypt and from all lands. Now, the rest of the Acts of Solomon, first and last, are they not written in the book of Nathan the prophet and the prophecy of Ahijah the Shilamite, Shilonite and in the visions of Ido, the seer concerning Jeroboam, the son of Nebat? Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel 40 years. Then Solomon rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father and Rehoboam his son reigned in his place. It's nice that the chronicler in 2 Chronicles doesn't mention the fall of Solomon. But Solomon fell. Solomon's heart turned away from the Lord. Famously. I can't help but touch on what Don McClure shared at the conference. I'm going to bite some of the some of the pointers because <laughs> he was dealing with Solomon and David. But, you know, he brought up the, the, the case, you know, father and son. What was different about them? Why did David, though he had his problems and his issues, no doubt, why did King David finish well while King Solomon did not? They both had a love for God. King David, we're told of King David. Paul the Apostle, I mean, yeah, Paul the Apostle would write in the book of Acts that King David had a heart after God's own heart. David's heart was for God. And David started, as you know, with nothing. God took him from the sheepfold. And then God gave him everything. And we know that David you know, made his terrible mistakes, but at the end of his life, there was repentance, there was brokenness, there was restoration because his heart was for God. Meanwhile, King Solomon, he was born with everything handed to him. Everything handed to him. He was born wealthy beyond wealth. And we're told in 1 Kings 11, that he turned away from the Lord because he loved many foreign women and he had 700 wives and 300 concubines and they turned his heart away from following the Lord and he actually fell into and promoted idol worship. He completely turned from the Lord. This is someone who we just read was able to give wisdom to everyone who sought wisdom from him and everybody did. Kings sought his wisdom. That was a tire. Don't worry about it. Kings. The queen from Sheba sought him. They came from all over to hear the wisdom that God put in his heart. We know that David in his early beginnings, I mean, not David, Solomon in his early beginnings, God asked him, ask me what you Desire and I'll give it to you. And he, he humbly asked God for wisdom in 1 Kings 3. He said, you have made your servant a king instead of my father David, but I am a little child and I do not know how to go out or how to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom, whom uh, you have chosen a great people, too number, numerous to be numbered or counted. 
Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? And the speech pleased the Lord. God loved what he asked for, because it was an unselfish request, right? And, um, and, Solomon, and so the Lord said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And so God gave him the desire of his heart to be wise to lead his people. But it wasn't just like any wisdom. It was above any other man that ever lived before him or after, aside from the Lord, of course. Wisdom from heaven, ahead of everybody's time, able to figure out riddles and solve problems and of every aspect of life, from science to math to history to military to everything, guys. Solomon, God gave him all the wisdom and all the knowledge that people were completely and utterly blown away. And he was able to give that to people and they were like in awe of what God had blessed them with. But God gave him what he wanted. He gave him that wisdom. And then God tests what he would do with it and how he would live. And what Solomon did with that gift was he was, he, he distributed it to anyone who would ask him for wisdom. But he did not apply the wisdom to his own life when it came to loving God and obeying God. Isn't that scary? He completely and utterly knew what he was doing when he turned his heart against God. He was the wisest man and he knew. And I'll tell you what Don McClure said, man, it just struck a nerve in all of us pastors, scared the living daylights out of me. Because Don McClure has been it was one of him and Mike McIntosh were Chuck Smith's first like guys on staff, first two, filled with wisdom, masters at teaching the Bible. God has anointed those men. They love God. And when pastors in their history of ministry have fallen, you know, Don McClure was like the doctor that Chuck would send to go deal with it and either, you know, support the church, help the church get the guy replaced, minister, do every, everything that that entails. And he said to us, every one of them knew what they were doing because they taught it. And it was just like, oh, oh my gosh, wow. Solomon knew. In our journey, God has blessed you with eternal life. And then he's testing you. And I, whether we appreciate it, whether we will love Jesus enough to obey him, whether our lives will be lived for him or for ourselves or for gold or for silver or for pleasures. You know, this self-worship 
this worship of human weakness where where we just worship our excuses you don't see that in scripture you see people plowing through you see people going when the going gets tough thank you for joining us today at lasting truth radio if you're in the area come on out and join us for sunday services at 8 30 a.m and at 10 30 a.m or wednesday evenings at 7 p.m we are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We adore.